0: Welcome to the ATL Career Journey podcast. I'm Paul Varnado and I'm your host for this podcast that explores the career paths of individuals in a variety of industries and professions. My guest this week is Mike Haswell, who is an executive from the insurance industry. Mike and I have known each other since our college days at Georgia Tech, and we've maintained our friendship for over 30 years. I respect him a great deal, both personally and professionally. He has been a leader in the insurance industry, and I really enjoyed our conversation as the inaugural guest on the ATL Career Journey. I hope you enjoy. All right, we are on. So, I'm here with Mike Haswell, uh, one of my oldest best friends. Absolutely.
1: Great Known to be Known each other here. a
0: long time. We have. Gone through a lot in our uh, respective lives and careers. And
1: hopefully a lot more to go.
0: Yes. We have, what, over 50 years of marriage combined and seven kids. So. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's, that sounds like a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> we old folks. So. No, but I wanted to just kind of touch base with you. You've got a, a very interesting career. Wanted mm-hmm. to hear a little bit about your background and, um, you know, we we'll maybe start with with how we met. So uh, you and I were uh, ak Psi fraternity brothers.
1: We were. And uh, the first real period where I knew that we were going to be good friends, as we were driving back from a party and you were talking about your job at the College of Architecture, I said, I think I'd like to get in on that. Yeah. So we, uh, then you said, well, you know, I was graduating. You were two years ahead of me. And you worked there with uh, Mac at the College of Architecture, and I joined in, and that was one of the best jobs I've ever had, two and a half years' work in uh, Georgia Tech. So that was, uh, that was a great time together we had. And I think it was we met in my sophomore year and your senior year at Tech.
0: Yep. Saved both our butts from financial ruin. Boy, that is for sure. It made a lot of, uh, a lot of things possible. Mm-hmm. So
1: Yeah, great job.
0: Yep. So um, you graduated
1: from Tech, 89. Mm-hmm. Started your career in retail, I did. So you were uh, an econ major. I was an econ major with a minor in sociology, mm-hmm. and I worked to work, went to work at Macy's. The worst job I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I used to shape Christmas trees. I like that better <laughs> than working in retail. That's, that tells you the pecker. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I just i it just wasn't for me. I didn't like the hours. Mm-hmm. I liked the people, but I just didn't feel that it was something I wanted to do long-term. I didn't want to be a buyer, which is what you aspired to be, or a store manager. I wasn't good at merchandising. I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So um, when, I, uh, when I left there, I actually ran from my office to my boss to tell him I was quitting. As you saw me streaking across the third floor <laughs> in the Macy's. Building. So um, no, I, I, I really respect people to work in retail, those that have hung in there, but uh, that just wasn't their career for me. How long were you there?: I was at Macy's for a year and a half. I started in the training program right out of school, and then was there. Um, uh, was there again for uh, a year and a half. Okay.
0: And then when you decided to leave retail, where did you, where did you think you were going?
1: So at that point, I was really just looking to get out of something versus looking to go into something. Mm-hmm. I had heard about claims adjusting. That, that's a neat career. Um, didn't know anything about it. In, in, people in my in the insurance industry, which is what where I started and now I've been there for um, now at 26 years, um, you don't ever really think, you know, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to go into insurance. The third right. one never really comes up. You kind of fall into it. And I fell into it, but realized I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, uh, I started out, you know, working the ca- it's called a casualty desk, and just went from there. And and really enjoyed the the, the business aspect of insurance. Since I've been in there in that pretty much my whole career.
0: That's great. And in college, had no inkling or idea about the industry. None. Yep.
1: I was an economics major, which I liked because it was very broad. But there's a lot of pieces of insurance that really affect, you know, the econ and and microeconomics and running a business. And that's the part I really liked, Mm -hmm. the customer service aspect, but also just the the main components of working with employees, customer satisfaction, financial, and expense, and balancing the four of those. Yep. Really, it's almost like running your own business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's, you know, we've talked before about just mentoring kids and, and mentoring our own kids mm-hmm. um you know talk to college students about you know what you're majoring in what you want to go into and so it's always interesting to hear you know sort of that pivot that happens in someone's career that you never really even thought about some door opens up mm-hmm. you know you move in next thing you know you're 25 years later and you're a you know one of the leaders in the industry so that's that's really good to hear um so tell me about well we'll back up again so mm-hmm. born in maryland
1: born in uh, actually born in atlanta
0: were you really? So born in okay. Atlanta.
1: Uh, parents were divorced when I was nine. And so my mom, my brother, my sister, and I moved to Maryland. And uh, I was there until I was 18 years old and had always wanted to come back to Georgia. My dad lived down here. And I heard a lot of great things about Georgia Tech and just uh, became, uh, became a Jacket.
0: All right. Yeah. Go Jackets. Go Jackets. That's and right. you've, you've um, through your career, that you actually got relocated a couple of times. So mm-hmm. you've been in a couple of different states.
1: I did. We Tanya, my wife and I, joke uh, that uh, every time we moved, we had a kid. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. <laughs> but we moved to Nashville and had our first son, then moved back to Atlanta, had our second son. moved up to Hartford, Connecticut. Had our daughter, and then moved back to Atlanta, and right before that, had True at our youngest. So, there you go. That's funny. Cause yeah. every time- I haven't moved since. <laughs> I haven't had any more kids. So, I think we're good now. Every time there was an Olympic Games, we had a kid.
0: So, it was That's the same right. thing. It was like two, 96, 98, 2000. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, you. Um, You've, you started with Safeco in the insurance mm-hmm. business, right. moved to a couple of different ones. Talk me through that progression. What, what did you start out doing at Safeco?
1: So, uh, so when, I, when I joined Safeco, it was all about um, claims. So I joined the claims operation, and um, I was there for 15 years in, in three different locations. And I uh, rose from a claims adjuster to um, a claims supervisor when I was in Nashville. And then back to Atlanta, uh, where I started managing uh, uh, managers for a commercial claims operations. So a lot of restaurant general liability, um, uh, managing and working with businesses. And then um, was promoted to regional claims manager in Hartford. So this is when I had about 180 people that worked for me as a as a as a team, one of 13 regions. And then in insurance is just like most of the companies out there, other industries out there. There's a lot of reorganization, a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And so then the company s- shrunk to five regions. I came back to Atlanta and managed the regional claims operation down here from 2001 to 2006. Uh, uh, and, um, and there was about 350 people. So I was able to rise up within Safeco. To different levels of leadership, um, I really enjoyed that. Most people, it's interesting. If you go, you stay that long in claims, very few people ever leave that. Mm-hmm. But um, I enjoyed my time in claims. It taught me a lot about balancing and running a business. Um, but I was kind of ready to do something else, so it was uh, you know just a good opportunity to to move more into the sales side down the road.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then you you left Safeco. I had a couple of interesting stops. So tell me a little bit about the progression from Safeco to where you
1: are today. So I jumped out and started my own business called Storing Treasures. So it's financial coaching. And I did that for about a year and a half. And I realized that uh, if I really wanted us to be able to eat, that I could not stay (laughs) as an entrepreneur. Because it sounds great when you start, but I really respect those that start their own businesses. Because not only do you have to grow your business, just put food on the table for your family, and you want to, uh, you know, take a vacation occasionally mm-hmm. and do different things. But I got a nice severance package from Safeco when I left, um, and I was able to, to live on that for about 18 months. But I, I really was itching to get back into something a little more organizational and back into, not as not necessarily the large corporate environment, but a smaller environment. And so I was able to make the transition from claims, which is what I did in insurance, to actually sales selling claims services to insurance companies. So I uh, started with a company called Performance Gateway, and uh, w- it was like starting over. I mean, we hardly had any clients. And from there, I was able to land a couple really big companies, USAA, will be mutual. it mutual. took four years for each of those. That's how long it takes huh. small vendors to be able to reach. But I had been able to transition from a claims career to a sales career, which is what I really enjoyed doing when I did my own business, it was sales, and be able to move over into that was really cool. Gotcha.
0: So, big shift from claims to sales. It is.
1: And as I said, most is after I joined Performance Gateway and then the company after that, I actually had people call me and they're like, you know, it's very rare someone's able to make the change because you almost have to start over again. But when I mm-hmm. started my own business, that was me starting over.
0: You were doing everything at that point, right? I was
1: you were yeah. When you're starting your own business, you're chief bottle washer mm-hmm. and sales and everything else. But I was able to take that that piece of it. And I what I enjoy about sales is the, you know, it's not all about you know numbers. It's about relationships. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be able to be a good salesperson, you have to build relationships. So I was able to do that and long standing relationships within the industry. And then from that, be able to work with these companies on a lot of what you do and what you're, you know, project management, but solution architect and taking technology and helping them see how they can take that and make a a great claims operation out of uh, building networks. Mm -hmm. So I did that for eight years and uh, really enjoyed my time. It was a small company. So there's a lot of the issues that you have with small companies, Mm -hmm. um, which is all about your you never feel secure, right? You know because you always wonder when the shoe's going to drop, and it did. Yeah, but uh, but it, it was a great time for me to you know have a, an immediate impact on an organization, nice. which I enjoyed.
0: And so, tell me about where you are now.
1: So uh, after eight years, um, the company was bought by Enterprise Rent a Car, and I was laid off for first time ever been laid off, and uh, it was uh, kind of a strange experience to go through that, uh, but. You know, companies all have different expectations about what they want, and we were not mobile. And so we, uh, um, I was out of work for probably about two and a half or three months, so not too bad. And I was able to move over into a company called RLI, which is a specialty insurance company, and uh, vice president of business development. And from that, I became vice president of business development and retention. So I now um, manage... The sales and marketing aspect, the process improvement aspect, accounting, policy services, and loss control. So it's kind of the service aspect of running our operation. And I've been doing this now for four and a half years. Love it. Great company. Um, and, you know, when people say that even after a tough time, there's something better on the horizon, you tend to think it might be a little, you know, cliche, Mm -hmm. but for me and for a lot of people that I know, it's true because I was able to go into a company that was, you know, larger, very financially secure and able to, you know, uh, make an impact. And so we are one of the um, top specialty insurance companies. So specialty insurance company is one that isn't your typical main street, you know, auto and home insurance. We're talking about, you know, large truck insurance and, Bus insurance, Inland Marine, you know, a lot of different unique coverages that uh, think of it as like a, a, a doctor. You have a general practitioner, which is like a progressive, mm-hmm. and then you have like a podiatrist. A specialist be, or a something, A specialist, right? yeah. exactly. So yeah. That's what we do, specialty insurance. Makes
0: sense. Mm-hmm. What uh, So what do you like most about the specialty insurance?
1: The or, or What
0: do you like most about your, your current job? Because it could be any number of things, right? Yeah, Especially.
1: so what I like is the freedom to be able to to make it and build it into what I like it to be mm-hmm. and support the organization. So I, I'm, you know, if I'm talking to you know those that are looking for what they're looking for out of a career, most people want to have an impact. They want to have an impact on their job. They don't want to feel like that they're the, the, that they're not, you know, making a difference, and so I like the fact that I can make this job what I want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, within the parameters of the organization, but I'm able to build it the way that m- will make sense for for uh, um, for RLI. And so the sales and marketing aspect, working with the agents, um, having the freedom to uh, to develop something that's re- new within the industry mm-hmm. and exciting. You don't have the bureaucracy of really large organizations. But it's large enough to where you have the support to make it happen.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. What? Because um, I know I've talked to my daughter Claudia, who's in the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. and she's still in college, obviously. But she really likes having that immediate feedback. You know, when she's been interning at, at a, a dermatology office, you know, somebody mm-hmm. comes in, they have a problem. When they leave, something's usually resolved. And you kind of see that immediate response. And um, some people, it's it's really nice to have that sort of feedback or like you're saying with you know the agents or other folks that really kind of see the benefits of your jobs mm-hmm. I know it's some of the jobs I've had where the the lead time is a little longer to sort of mm-hmm. see that return or even that impact and it's hard to one stay motivated from day to day or two to motivate your team and make sure that they're still got the eye on the prize and you know they're, mm-hmm. they're moving forward like they should so the um, so talking about uh, insurance in general mm-hmm. There really isn't an insurance major coming out of college, is that? Uh,
1: there's a risk management major, which uh, some com- uh, some colleges do really well with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's typically the type of individuals that we're going after, risk management um, type of uh, degrees. But not every college has that.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you hire people, do you look for some risk management background or do you look for other... Background. You came from claims, but are there other folks that um, you've seen be successful in this industry? Yeah,
1: I, I've seen people with psychology degrees become mm-hmm. very good at insurance. So you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we get our degree and we think, I've, you know, I know I've pigeonholed myself. And I said to some extent I imagine that, that, that could be true, but mo- most people are looking for a skill set. And so, um, you know, working uh, in a financial arena for insurance or working... Um, in customer service uh, or other aspects of of where you can use your analytical skills. Insurance has a wide variety of positions that are available. Um, Claims looks for a lot of people, military or retail background. I was retail, Hmm. so there's a good background there. If you're in underwriting, it's typically risk management. If it's process improvement or IT, then it could be a Georgia Tech degree. So mm-hmm. that's the cool thing is, you know, you have the ability to come in and and if you're looking for claims people, you maybe you want them to have transportation experience if that's you're looking for a high-level complex person. Yeah. The good news is there's a lot of opportunity to find a role no matter your background uh and there's the opportunity for growth as yeah. well. And so I think that that's what most people are looking for is the op- opportunity to be able to build a career. And um, and insurance affords a lot of, you know, positions that are there for people.
0: Yeah, I know myself being in the IT background, it spans almost every industry. Mm-hmm. And so the the same kind of skill sets apply across those. And so it's been, it's been interesting to learn different verticals in different industries, you know, with the back end almost being identical in terms of, where they are with their legacy platform, where they need to get to, what you know, what services do, and other things. So it's really been kind of interesting to see those industries. So I was curious to see where your your thoughts were in terms of the industry itself. Where do you see maybe it's just specialty, but where do you see some of the challenges in the next two to five years? Well, the big
1: challenge right now in the insurance industry is the number of large awards that are being um, given by juries and the large point of um, bar uh, you need to have a plaintiff bar to keep the insurance companies honest but you also need a defense bar to keep um, to keep you know awards are at reasonable levels and we have seen runaway verdicts which make it very difficult for large trucking companies and bus companies to be able to stay in business mm-hmm. because the insurance rates keep going up up and up and uh, so it's important to have good solid safety programs in place if you're a business it's important to, uh, t- to take some of these cases all the way through trial to make sure that we keep, you know, the whole award system honest. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, that's the biggest issue is the creeping up of these bodily injury awards. And, uh, you know, the other part of it is um, uh, just the uh, increasing rates that you and I would have to pay for auto insurance as a result of that. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a common problem, it's a common issue, and it's just something that we have to kind of keep an eye on um, as an industry. It's probably the most pressing is uh, the, what we would call social inflation.
0: Gotcha. Is there a certain amount of consolidation that continues uh, to move in your industry? I know, and I've seen in other places where, you know, Small, small. whether they're banks or, you know, mm-hmm. technical companies, you know, they may be startups, they get bought up, you buy the intellectual property. Is that happening in your industry it as well?
1: It is. It is. Uh, it's happening in a couple ways. One is uh, insurance companies uh, can tend to buy each other up. A good example is Allstate bought e eight years ago, um, about eight years ago, and now they just uh, announced... Last week that they're dropping that as a brand because mm-hmm. they thought it would be their way into be able to fight against the progressives of the world. Mm-hmm. But it's like anything else when you try to be something you're not, it's very difficult for you to take on the leader in that industry. You have to be good at what you do, mm-hmm. and you have to do it over over a long period of time. So, but I do think the acquisitions will continue. But um, then the others in the agency side, so independent agents that are out there bringing in either individuals like you and I or businesses, they are just gobbling each other up. So I, yeah. I bet you 10, 15 years from now, you could have just a, a few major players on the large commercial auto side. And smaller agencies that are in personal lines, a lot of this stuff can be done online. And so mm-hmm. you're. You, if I were just a personal lines agent, I would be looking out for ways to build a commercial book. Because businesses are going to have the need for more consultative. A lot of millennials now don't really feel they have the need for an agent. They can buy their insurance online and service it online. And um, I think that that's going to continue to be a major issue. That's
0: interesting. I mean, there's so many self-service models that, as, as consumers, you know, mm-hmm. when you, the Amazon and the bookstore model, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get something online, why would you go in a store? You can do all the other things around mm-hmm. it from your phone or from, you know, home at midnight or whatever the case is, and it makes a lot of sense, you can almost do more, better research, mm-hmm. then you go to an agent, you go, okay, I don't know this person, or I, I'm not sure if I trust him, or I got a referral from somebody, and so, yeah, you're, you're, the days of you just, you know, going with Uncle Murray telling you how to invest your money are really gone, you know, you've got tools at your expo- at that's a, disposal. That's exactly yeah. right.
1: And when you're talking about personalized policies that are, what, $1,200 a year for a single person, mm-hmm. and the agent's getting 10% of that? That's one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah, I mean, that's what, and you might put a lot of work in for the one hundred twenty dollars. You have to ask yourself, how do I expand my book to become more and so uh, become more um, needed within the community? So that's why many of them go into things like, uh, you know, not only insurance, but they're selling, you know, maybe financial vehicles and other, other life insurance and health insurance, mm-hmm. and they're rounding out their portfolio. Um, there are a lot of many many good insurance agents out there, but their industry is changing.
0: Interesting, it's mm-hmm. almost like a hedge against some some variation in that that one sector mm-hmm. that they're in. So that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, what um, I, I've always you know thought about this when I when I talk to my kids or when I talk to some of the, the students I mentor, it was like if I could go back in time and give my own twenty year old self some advice, mm-hmm. you know what would that be? So in your case. Mm-hmm. How would you uh, how would you look at your you know the the twenty year old Mike Haswell I met because I remember when I met you you were already you had side hustles going all the time you know you were uh, never sitting still I remember you had an accounting business
1: that's for SAS that's right yep
0: and <laughs> uh, you know that. then you had the the architecture job with Mac yeah and um, there was always something that you were kind of looking you know mm-hmm. down the road at so what would you give your you know given that that structure. Um, what would, you, what would you change or modify, or what would you tell your younger self?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, hard work shows, and so I wouldn't change any of that. I wouldn't change the degree I got. I love my economics degree. I wouldn't change where I went. I, I was very close to leaving tech because it was really very, very challenging my first year. Mm-hmm. But I hung in there, and so I would I would talk to my kids about don't quit, don't give up if you feel strongly about something and you want to do it, keep at it. Yeah. Keep after it. Don't just give in because it's too easy to do that. So, um, you know, that that's a big piece. As much as I didn't like my first career out of college, I learned a lot. Um, but I would I would focus in on to my younger self and say, you know, you have to be willing to stay in an industry for a while to be able to build up your expertise and knowledge and not to, not to just jump around. So I was glad that I stayed in insurance. Um, I could have stayed in longer than 15 years, mm-hmm. but then I wouldn't have got the opportunity to try something new. So I think that there's a creative aspect. You know, don't be afraid to explore other options, you know, certainly within that industry, industry or field, and you know, give yourself an opportunity to be able to grow um, development and networking is two of the most important things you can do for your career a lot of people don't network well mm-hmm. and that's why I love LinkedIn, it's a, it's a great way so I would have gotten started on the social media networking sooner mm-hmm. um, I'm very involved in it now it's a good way to keep up with people but to see how the industry is changing how our Professional relationships are changing and to look ahead and see what may be changing in the industry so you can prepare for it. Yeah. And so, networking, get started sooner when you're younger, when you're just starting out 24, 25, 26 years old. A lot of people think networking is when you don't have a job. No, networking is when you do have a job. That's the most important piece of advice I could give to people today.
0: Makes a lot of sense. And it's so true. You know, when you're in college, you're around a built-in network mm-hmm. of thousands of other students, and yep. you don't feel like you're ever really by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then when you graduate and you take that first step out in the real world, it's a whole new network. You still have you know your friends that you keep up with, but they may not be in the direction that you're going in. Mm-hmm. So it really is important. I know from the IT side, there are certain uh, groups that you can get involved in, meetups, mm-hmm. or you know, tag or ATP mm-hmm. or other ones within the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. But in the in the insurance space, are there are there some specific networking groups that you get involved in, or that you'd recommend?
1: There are the, one of the big ones, and I would recommend this for continuing education. Uh, is called CPCU, Charter Property and Casualty Underwriter. That's the master's for the insurance industry. You get that; it's a it's nine classes. It's very involved, but it's like getting your master's in insurance, and then you can be involved in chapter society meetings. And get involved in what's happened in the insurance industry overall. Highly recommend that. Um, and there are other networking opportunities, Atlanta chapters. You can get involved in on the insurance side. So I think that that's important. And even broader, staying involved in your alumni association. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest, you know, you know, to your to your point earlier, you have to think about building your career like you're telling a bedtime story. When you look at your resume, um, I just got one couple weeks ago from someone who's looking for some input and when I read it, I don't really know what this person wants to do. I don't care what the objective says, what is it, what story are you telling? Mm-hmm. And you have to build that over time. And I tell my kids all the time, your your resume tells a story. Everything you can put on there to tell a story about what you want to do and what you're good at and what your skill set is, you should get involved in. And because that's employers have they eight seconds. Eight seconds to look that over, and are you gonna? Are you gonna? What message are you gonna send? Because there's too many good options out there. You have to have yourself stand apart. So that's the key. I would say you got to build that story and work on it early. You're right,
0: and a lot of people don't really have that intention when they go start their
1: first or their second or their
0: third job. I didn't. I didn't
1: have it at all. I was just happy to get out of retail. you know it didn't it took me probably 20 years uh, my wife helped me with this when i was moved into our current my current position about where I could look at that and say okay i see what story that tells now mm-hmm. it's the move from claims to sales it's the move with you know using that economics degree and and getting my cpcu and 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 staying in the insurance field but doing different things to highlight you know a growing career but at the beginning i was just Fortunate to want to have a job. Right, I would right. have liked to have looked longer term um, and asked myself, "What is it that I want to do?" I and a lot of us, you know, as you know, we've talked about this. You just kind of you stay in the job over and over if you don't enjoy it. Look to do something else. Mm-hmm. Life's too short.
0: Well, the other thing um, I do want to ask you about your your activities with uh, economics uh, college Mm -hmm. Tech and what you're doing there. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I've talked a lot over the years just about goal setting. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, in in my work that I do with our, you know, agile development and and mindset, you know, you have short term goals, you know, two week sprints of what you do, development work, you do a three month planning cycle. Mm -hmm. So people can kind of think about where I want to be in five or 10 years. That's almost theory rather than applied. It's Mm -hmm. too far of a, of a target to really put something tactical that you can see and measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you and I again have talked a lot about goal setting, mm-hmm. what we want to do. So it's the end of the year. We usually talk about what we want to do in the next twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, our wives think we're nuts, but I think it really it's, <laughs> well, it's not different, right? But it's how so, we're wired, right? And I think to you know to your point where you've got, you know, you got this story to tell. Mm-hmm. You got an opportunity every year, every quarter, mm-hmm. every milestone you want to set and go, okay, what do I want to do? And how do I want to measure that? And when do I want to accomplish mm-hmm. that? And if it's not working, you change it. You modify it, right? right. And so that's a good way to sort of build that story mm-hmm. that um, that kind of links over time.
1: Well, and and what you realize, I think, as you get older and more mature is that a lot of the goals that you set overlap. Mm-hmm. Family goals overlap with career goals and health, you know, your plans for, you know, the future. And when you spend time with your Family, but also helping them to be able to grow and how you build your financial. I mean, finance is just a huge issue in our society. It's something very close to me when I see the struggles that a lot of people go through, the debt that kind of really pulls us down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that goal setting is, you know, life isn't going to dictate to you what happens. You're going to dictate where you're going with your life.
0: Great, great point. You have more control over it than you think.
1: You, you do. And You know, yeah. a lot of times we talk about control... Um, in terms of you know you're right, you can't control somebody else and you shouldn't try mm-hmm. uh, That's a, an area that I mean I, I'd struggle with that I mean and you want to you feel like well I should be able to make a make somebody not not manipulative to do something maybe but to help them mm-hmm. when really it's all up to us to help ourselves, but we do control what happens to us and we do influence our kids and our family and a great way to influence is b- helping them build and understand that. You have to put those things into practice if it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. And if you're not happy with something, you have choices. It's your choice. But that goal setting is a great way to do it. I highly recommend it. You and I do it every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, one of the things, and my wife and I were talking about this, is it's not just about setting them and putting them in a drawer, which is what I have done in the past. But actually then following up on a regular basis to see how am I doing towards that.
0: Well, you think about what you do with goal setting with your employees at work, even mm-hmm. if yourself, you know, and you have those measured in once, you know, once a quarter or, you know, once or twice a year, mm-hmm. whatever the sequence is, you know, you pull them out and you go, okay, where are we? Am I on track? Does this still make sense? Is this a relevant goal? Do I need to change it?
1: And and, and that is one of the most important things you can do for your people. Mm-hmm. Your employees, when you sit down and you have a true development conversation, you you have a 10 times better chance of them staying willing to stay because they know that you care about them yep. and their development. And if you don't talk about it, they start to wonder, mm-hmm. maybe I should be somewhere else. But you have an open, honest conversation, you map it out, and that helps them be better at what they do too. And and I think the development conversations, helping someone develop is not cliche. It is the responsibility of you as the leader and of that employee to develop into the best employees that they can be, mm-hmm. because that's how organizations get great. Yep, is that people come and they stay, and they're all working together as a team. And uh, I mean, you know, you've got, I did a, a analysis when I was fired one time. I've had twenty bosses in my career. We laugh about yes. that. Yes, yeah. I've only been in you know twenty seven years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bosses in twenty seven yeah. years. Yeah, and I can I can tell you the top five. And I can tell you the bottom five, Mm -hmm. and then I can just about rank, you know, six through 15, but what is it that makes the top five bosses so good? Mm -hmm. What makes them so good? And they each have characteristics, many of them centered around how they made you feel, Mm -hmm. how they helped you develop, how they ran their organization, did you know what you were going to get every day? That's the type of boss we should be. Yeah. That's what you want your people saying about you and about me.
0: Yep, it's exactly right. It's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both did that exercise. It's you sobering did. to see. It is very sobering.
1: And yeah, and the so ones that you didn't like, what, what was the deal there? So exactly. I th- think that that's. I think that development piece is is huge. It's in any in any aspect of life, goal setting and development is critical.
0: Good good advice. So last thing, um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing with Georgia Tech and the School of Economics.
1: Uh, so a couple of years ago, I joined the board, School of Economics. So it's um, has gone through a lot of changes. You know, at engineering schools, typically the economics is a really high level focal point for um, development of, of of the business program. But at Georgia Tech, it has never really had that level of a familiarity like it would at an MIT or a Stanford. And that's what we're trying to do now is raise that up Mm -hmm. Um, because economics is kind of seen as the secondary sister because it's all about engineering. And to really become a good, solid business school, you need that economics and that management degree to continue to rise up. So um, it's all about uh, um, working together to make that uh, a high-level humanities program mm-hmm. and so um, I, I enjoy that I enjoy working with the, the, the team down there and just giving advice on what we can do to make it better talking about like dr. Schaefer and others that have influenced so much in utilizing their skills. I feel uh, very strong about the economics degree it's uh, you know if you think about what starts with economics and management economics is, is uh, uh, what you should do and management is how you do it. That's kind mm-hmm. of the difference. And that's the piece economics. You got to start with that. You got to start with should we be doing this? The vision, right? The vision, yep. exactly. The creative part yep. of where do we go, and and then become good managers. You're the tactically mm-hmm. you know, breaking that down. So I enjoy being a part of it. It's great, uh, great organization, and we have a new leader in there now. So um, it's uh, it's been fun to watch.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, spending some time chatting about your career and you bet. Um, uh, some good advice thrown in as well.
1: I'm glad you're doing this. This is a great, uh, great podcast. Thanks for the time.
0: It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Mike.
1: You bet.